Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. If you could stand with me as we read God's Word, 2 Kings chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 14. When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, "Grab, get a bow and some arrows, and the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow, and Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open the eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow, and Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Armenians as Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he explained. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word for this season. God, would you have your hand over it as we are thankful for your presence in this room and in our lives. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to give a little backstory about Elisha and the prophet, uh, the prophet Elisha and the king uh, Jehoash. This, this is the idea that King Jehoash comes from a lineage of kings that were disobedient to God. It actually, the scripture actually says that they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. They did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. It even says that God intervened one time to protect them and to cover them and to, to bring them out. But they still, it said, but they continued to do what was evil. But they continued to do what was evil. You don't know anybody like that that was protected and covered by God, but continued to do what was evil and wrong. Nobody? <laughs> but that's what happened. But he was drawn to go see the prophet Elisha. He was moved to go see because you've got to understand that prophets went to see kings. Kings did not go to see prophets. It's not the way it worked out. But the king was drawn to go see the prophet Elisha. And he he entered. And it says the first words he says was, Father, my father, the chariots and the charioteers. You see, this morning's message, the heartbeat behind it, it's a I got to be honest, it's a little difficult because I would rather inspire you to the point where we see 2019 as someplace we're going and it's going to be amazing and all of your regrets and failures and, and, uh, and uh, bitterness from the past will disappear, but that's, God didn't align that for this morning. You see, two months ago, I felt God say that I've given you a voice for this generation, so it's up to you if you want to use it. So I'm using it. So today's message is a little bit different, but the idea is is still the truth, which is this. You have a call and a purpose over your life. 
You have a destiny that's in there. And because of the world and because of situations and because of hurt and because of pain, because of time, it just got away. It dwindled down to the part where we don't even recognize it anymore. But we need a King Joash, right, to step in and to spark it with something. Because when he stepped into Elisha and he said, even though Elisha was on his deathbed, he said, my father, my father, the chariots and charioteers, You see, in 2 Kings chapter 2, that's exactly what Elisha said to Elijah as he was being called off to the heavens, and Elisha was receiving a double portion. You see, there was no mistake when the king spoke to Elisha in that matter. There was not a a mixed of words. It was not minced up. It was on purpose. And today, let's ask God that he would speak directly to the call of God upon your life, that you would see your purpose and your destiny walked out, that you do not have to wait for the perfect setting or the right time. Amen? Let me give you a little background of who I am. My name is Josh. I am the children's pastor here, and we've been, my wife and I have been here for five months, and we are home. We love it here. This church is amazing. We, uh, we feel the love from you guys, and we're excited to be a part of it. Um, but to give you a little background, I grew up in a, a small place in Southern Virginia called Farmville. It's not just a Facebook game, and, uh, but it's, it's true. I grew up there. We had none. It's kind of like monks. Um, so I, we grew up there, and I've, I felt the call to ministry uh, shortly after I got saved on April 17, 1996. That's the day that I was like, this is it. This is where I want to go. And shortly after that, I was like, I'm going to go into ministry, but I didn't yet know what for. I just knew I wanted to preach the Word of God, but I didn't know where. And so I went off to a Bible college, and I was able to cram four years. I made it really, I crammed four years um, into five. And so... <laughs> Somebody has to pay the bills, right? So I, <laughs> I cram four years into five. And it wasn't until my senior year, the summer before my senior year, um, that I was interning uh, at a school, elementary school, under their guidance counselor. You see, I majored in uh, pastoral counseling because I was told before I went into ministry that I would need counseling classes because the church has crazy people. Not you guys, not you guys, but some people, uh, crazy people. And so I took a lot of counseling classes. And I sat across from this boy named Robert, who was high-functioning autistic, and uh, I was able to just counsel with him. And this is where, this is where the call was evident. And, uh, and I apologize for this not being PC, but this is what, what he told me. Robert sat across from me, and he told me that his second-grade teacher called him uh, stupid and retarded. And my heart physically broke. I felt my heart physically break. And I went to my psychology professor and I was like, what should I do with this? And he reminded me that, that, that it was good and so I'm incapable of being good and so I should pursue it. That's from God. And I went to my children's professor who I'd only taken one class with. It wasn't, it wasn't a minor and it wasn't a major. I just was friends with him. And I said, what should I do? And his response was, I've always known you were called the children's ministry. I was just waiting on you to find out. And I was like, you know, this could have been useful earlier, like if you shared stuff. And keep it to yourself. I later found out that he uh, made it a purpose not to call people into ministry, but to confirm it once God called it. And so I was, uh, I was impressed by his integrity in that situation. But the truth is this, is that there's a call upon all of us. And if I'm honest, I've spent a number of years in children's ministry, almost 14, and not all of those years have been joyous. It's not always um, parties and movies and having fun like that. Sometimes it's very difficult and it's questioned. And, uh, and there was a time in my life that I even went through thinking that, well, 
whether or not I was staying in ministry, let alone children's ministry, because I was being tested, I was being stretched, but I know that God has called me. Amen? Amen. So here's, here's the thing. There was a verse that was shared uh, from my wife and I when we got married, and it was confirmed in prophecy a number of years uh, uh, later, and it was Psalm 127 and 128, and here's why I want to read it. Psalm 127 says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarded in it, guarding it with centuries will not do good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to the ones he loves. Children, verse 3, are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Church, The reason I'm excited about this message and this time with you is because our quiver in children's ministry and youth ministry is full. Our quiver is full. There's over 350 kids on this campus alone on a Sunday morning from preschool or from nursery all the way up until fifth grade. Our quiver is full. But let me walk you through my message today. This is the thought process, and I tried to make it really fun, so I spelled out bow, B-O-W, through my points, and point number one is B. All right, I can see you're excited. We'll wait. Listen, point number one is be ready, right? Here's, here's what Elisha did. He's laying on his deathbed. The king comes in and is desiring victory. He sees to some extent, his wrongdoing, he sees where he has fallen short, and he's asking Elisha for some help. And so he says, grab the bow and some arrows, and it says that he was obedient. Be ready. Be ready. And this, is, to some extent, was something that the king understood. He understood what a bow was. He understood arrows. This was easy for him to comprehend because he understands it. It's in his own power. And it says that, he says, Elisha says, open up the window and, and draw back the bow. And, and when he did, he was signifying that he was taking on, he was then an agent of God. He was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And he, and he draws back the bow. And before he fires it, it says that Elisha then puts his hands upon the king's hands. You see, it's easy for us to understand what we need to do. But at that moment that Elisha put his hands on the king's hands, he signifies that we don't do it alone. That we do it with God's power. That we're able to perform what he's called you and me to do because of his strength, not our talent. Because of his power, not our understanding. And at that moment, he pulls it back, and Elisha grabbed the bow while the arrow was still pulled back, and to symbolize the Lord's help. God helped propel or fly the arrow through the air. It was his victory. It was his arrow that they're talking about. Point number one, be ready. Point number two, everybody say, over everything. CDO? Okay. Be ready over everything. Another thing that we can understand, because we can gain promises in the word from God, and we can understand that that's for us, and we're like, yes, Lord, those promises, yes and amen, because he shot the arrow out the window, and it went to a point that was such victory, that was such, like, he's like, yes, all of that is going to be victory over everything. I can agree with that. That's positive in my life. I understand how a bow works, and how an arrow flies, and how it shoots. I understand the distance, and I'm in, I'm on board, but what we don't understand is the process in between and here's 
here's why I want to say this, is that just a couple weeks ago, there was a young boy that came to our children's ministry, and uh, here, and he was eight, nine, ten, something like that. He's never, he's never stepped foot in a church before. He's never stepped foot in a church before. How's that happen in the South? Right? No, but think about it. He's never stepped foot in a church before, and there we are, the hands and the feet of Jesus, and we get to interact with him, and we get to help him develop a strong faith. This is why I'm here this morning, is because we have lived in a moment long enough as a church body all together, right, that we have passively sat by while the next generation is being lured away, right? Like, we're that's weird, that's something's happening to them. And that's our position because we're not active, right? And so we understand what the victory looks like and that God's gonna give us victory, but with fingers crossed, we do nothing. We're just over here hopeful. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, our vision for children's ministry is that we become more consistent and more present in the lives of our, our youth and our children because the next generation needs us. The church is fading away. I don't think we're embracing that because we're comfortable with where we're at and where we sit, but the church is dissipating because we're not moving, because they don't have our victories and our testimonies. We're sitting beside hoping that somebody else solves the next generation, right, and gives them the right influence while we're here. We don't see that process. We need, if I'm, you know, in our elementary program alone, you ready for this number? We ran the numbers. You know how many volunteers we need on a Sunday morning just in first through fifth grade? 70. You know how many we have? 10. You know why we need 70? Because each grade in that, in that elementary program needs, a, needs two small group teachers needs two small group leaders. We need, we need people running sound and speaking on stage. We need greeters out in the hallway, visiting, uh, greeting people as they walk in. How you doing? Need to be the face and need to be, build relationships. And we don't have it. Consistency matters to us. I speak to you not only as a pastor, but as a father of three girls. I have a nine, a six, and a three-year-old. My nine-year-old has constantly reminded me, because apparently it's awesome, right, that she's going to middle school soon. It's funny, right? It's not that awesome. It's, it's not. And in all reality, because of victory and because of the bow and arrow, I understand the process. I understand what's next. I get it. I'm in this section of my life. This is my box, and I can handle it. And I can handle children's ministry in this box and my home life in this box. But the problem is soon she'll be out of my care, my complete care. There will be some that I'll still be able to provide at home. But what my children need and what the children of this church and this community need is yours, your ears to listen when things aren't going right at home, right? Your voice to provide wisdom, right, at all times. The problem is we don't have enough of us to bridge that gap. And so then they go to youth and they build themselves and they find themselves and they're, they're together. But then once they go off to college, who do they have? My babies need you. They need that relationship. Our small group leaders, our big desire and dream is that our first grade small group leader next year becomes our second grade small group leader. And the year after that, third. Year after that, fourth, fifth. And hopefully we send that small group leader up to, to youth ministry because the truth is this, it's not about children's ministry, it's not about my ministry and your ministry because if the water rises, all the boats float. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
And so we're in this battle together. And so I want to see that not only my, my girls, but all of this generation learn to serve the Lord, learn to be connected. As a church, this is where we have to go. We are, I declare, being a pace setter of a church. We can no longer exist with the okay of like, well, it's all right, then just need volunteers. Everybody, no, not us, not anymore. No, sir, no, ma'am. We're going to be full. We're going to have volunteer wait list, right? Because we want people to serve this generation, to imprint their legacy upon the next. March offers us the first fifth Sunday of 2019. And on fifth Sundays, what we're going to do is we're actually going to open the opportunity for the kids to come over and worship with the adults before they go back over and have a good time. Yes, sometimes we can watch movies and eat popcorn. Don't judge us. They need that sometimes. And that'll be the day that we get to do something like that. They'll come over here and they'll worship first, but they need to worship with you first. So it's not about doing the right thing, but it's about surrendering humbly to God. They need to see your passion in worship. They need to see your victories in the battles that you've waged. They need to understand your scars. We're not open with the generation. We're just telling them to be quiet and be okay. We need to be transparent that this is an issue and this is what's happening and this is how we can get through it because when our girls won't talk to my wife and I, they need to talk to you and I need you for that. Do you understand? I need you. So on fifth Sundays, the idea is that they're going to come over here for Sunday fun day, and they're going to see you worship, and they're going to gain a greater understanding, and they're going to feel the presence of the Lord, and then they're going to go back over there, and we're going to continue the way we worship, which is amazing. You guys should come and take a part of it. They're going to see that, and they're going to experience it, because we can understand those two processes. We can understand the bow, and we understand what, the way it works. And then we understand the arrows and how it flies. And man, who can't get on board with a victory story, yes? Of like all of that over everything. We're going to be great. But here's where it comes complicated. Be ready over everything. Why stop? Why stop? You see in verse 18 and 19, it says that the king struck the arrow three times. And if you read about it, the scholars actually say that this can be interpreted two different ways. One way is the literal what we think is striking, striking the ground, right? Is it odd to strike an arrow on the ground? Now, for you, maybe for me, okay? I mean, it's odd. Why would you strike an arrow on the ground? But the other, the other scholars would also say that it was actually just shooting out the window at, like, at the direct ground, not at the distance, but striking the ground in front of them. Either way, it's an odd request. And here's why it's important. We understand the bow. We see the passion and the calling in our life. We see the direction and we can see what over everything looks like. The victory over everything looks like a generation that's serving the Lord, that won't be backed down, that won't be quieted, that will stand up for the needs of God, that will, not, that will stand against what things uh, approach God, right? Like that's what, the, that's what victory over everything looks like. We can see that. But when God asks us to do something that's a little odd, we go, ugh, ugh, I don't understand. I don't understand that process. What's that look like? I have to do that, right? Sometimes, like if you want to get good at such and such, step up and do the Monday, right? Like we always want to be in the spotlight. We don't always want to open the doors. We always want to be up front. We don't want to be holding the babies. Words matter, people. We need more people in our nursery holding and hugging babies. Grandmas and grandpas for Jesus speaking life over these children. But yet, here's what we get instead. Hey, would you like to work in children's ministry? I've done my time. 
oh, so you're done now. You've completed the work of the Lord. It's a, it's a miracle that you're alive, but yet completed what God has called you to do. Isn't that crazy? We, I could tell you this. This is how we act when our life is perfect, when things are going well. We've had a great time. But when our babies have grown up and they start to leave what we think is the foundation of the work of God, this isn't enough anymore, is it? We look back and we wish we had just struck it as many times as possible, but we've wasted the opportunity. That time has gone. We cannot wait any longer to strike the iron while it's hot. When the time has gone, when our children are already in college being molded in different fashions, this is not, I love college, please don't, this is not about college. This is about that next step where they're identifying their self. Too often, like Robert, when I counseled with him, they have found value in what other people say. We have found value in the likes that we get on Facebook. We have found value in what people say about the way we dress and act and the way our children are. We need to understand whose value matters. The truth is that God's value over us matter. The truth is that he calls each and every one of us child. The truth is that he has adopted us, that he has made us our own. Romans eight seventeen says that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. What else matters? What else matters? It says here that when he struck it three times, it said Elisha was angered at the lukewarmness of Jehoash and his lack of faith and zeal. And when talking about it, here's, here's where we literally come down to it. This is service three, and I've gotten two emails, and I'm gonna, I'll explain in a minute what that means. But the truth is that we can get so moved and we understand the bow and the arrow and, and we understand the, the length of victory that we need to take. But when we need to take this little step to meet this generation, to not lose them to, to the world, we go, ah, that's confusing. Ah, I don't have time for that. Statistics say that families come 1.7 to 2.2 times a year. And the normal volunteer rate for somebody when they start serving in any of our ministries is once a week, once a month, I'm sorry, once a month. If that volunteer comes and serves once a month and families are coming 1.7 to 2.2 times a, a, a month, that volunteer has the potential to see that family four times a year. Tell me how that makes a difference. Tell me how my child's supposed to remember your name four times a year. Are you hearing me? I hope it hurts a little bit. Because I'm not up here just as Pastor Josh. I'm up here as, as Father Josh. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I can't play games with the, the, the souls of my children and their children. I can't allow the legacy that has been placed in my life to die right here. Do you understand what I'm saying? And God, two months ago, like I told you, on the way to work, spoke to me and said, you have a voice, and now I have to use it. Here's where we're at. This is the situation. I've told this story a couple times. My mom and dad, one of my sisters are here uh, during this service and uh, had, a, had a sister and niece and nephew come to the earlier service. So it's a, it's a privilege to stand in, in this lineage. But my grandmother, who passed away two years ago at 101, uh, almost three years ago now, she passed away on my birthday. Stop. Don't feel bad for me. That's awesome. Right? That's awesome. My grandmother, up until just an, a couple of years before her passing, went to church Every Sunday, she went to Sunday school every Sunday, and she went to service before or after that, because their Sunday school always was it before. They would always alternate. But either way, she was there for both, both of those. 
Ask somebody today if you could give more than one service. Go ahead, say, hey, do you think you can come to service next week? And then come and help out, and they'll be like, oh, well, see what happened, well, I got things I was gonna do, and then there was that other thing down at, y'all act like you don't have DVRs at home. Everybody's got a DVR. And if you don't, you're watching it on the internet anyways. You can pull it up later. <laughs> We've allowed the sacrifice of the next generation because of our selfish desires today. Our church, our quiver is full, and no one's over there sharpening the weapons. Do you hear what I'm saying? We just assume that an arrow is supposed to do what an arrow is supposed to do, and it'll be fine. Uh-uh. They need you, each and every one of you. Teenagers in the room, they need you over there in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry, being the examples, fighting for the next generation. We can't stand by passively anymore. We can't be okay with just lukewarmness. We can't sit by and say, I don't know anything that I'm supposed to do. You see, King Jehoash, right, did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. He approached the prophet, and, and, and Elisha said, no, I can't help you. Is that what happened? No, the prophet Elijah said, yeah, yeah, absolutely, like, grab the bow and arrow, and he did, obedience, right? He grabbed, he said, shoot it, obedience, and then he said, strike the floor, and it got confusing, and he gave up. We give up far too easy on the call of God that he's placed on your lives. We're not willing to take the little bitty steps. We have to be obedient through the entire process. Amen? So here's, here's part of it. Listen, 2 Kings Back to, back to chapter 13, verse 21 says this. Because we have used age, we have used I've done my time, we have used so many excuses of why we can't help out. We are, can I tell you after the first two services, I've had more testimonies of people saying, listen, I've worked so hard, I thought maybe it was time to step down, but I'm encouraged to keep going. Because keep going, Luke 6.38 says that if we give, it'll be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing in your laps. Right? We always connect that scripture to finances, but there is no connection to anything. It's just give. You want more talents? Give your talents. You want more time? Give your time. Amen? We have to stop using excuses of anything, and age is one of those things. Listen, Elisha, who was on his deathbed, is now dead. Verse 21, it says, once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. Like, yep, this one's good enough. And it said, but as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. You have something left to give. Do you hear what I'm saying? As the worship team comes back out, you have something left to give. My children need your gift. Okay, and here's, and here's why the emails are important. Because we get inspired from this. We have this cool thing now um, to where you can actually apply to serve in children's ministry, and I'm sure I would use the application as well for youth ministry, so apply on our, on, online, faithishere.org. And once you apply, guess who gets the email? Okay, me, right? And so I get the email. This size service, two of them already, how many emails I got? Right? because we understand the bow and the arrow. We get what it's supposed to do. We're behind the next generation. That's what we need to do. We understand that we need victory over everything. We're not willing to take the steps. 
we don't, our amens don't mean it. Do you hear me? I want to pause for a moment because I believe that at this time, some of us can feel guilt. We can be torn into that, that idea that we're not doing enough or we're already doing something and maybe we need to do more because it's not about what you do anyways. It's just about us being obedient. It doesn't always have to be mighty. It just has to be movement. It has to be obedience. Um, and we get that guilt feeling. If you, if you have that guilt feeling, we're going to rebuke that. That's the enemy. That has nothing to do here, man. But if you're convicted, if you know this is confirmation of what God's called you to do and calling you to do, then you need to act. And so this is what we do in children's ministry when we act. I, I, give, them, I give them three points, right? And so because, because I want to focus their prayer, because sometimes when I don't, we pray for a lot of puppies in children's ministry. We really do. Uh, we pray for a lot of puppies. But don't get me wrong. There are prayer requests at times that will knock your socks off. A little girl came up during our scripture reflection not too long ago, and we read our scripture in children's ministry. We read the memory verse, and then we let the kids come up and respond in the microphone what they believe God is telling them, because we're teaching our children that the, the word of God is alive, and that it speaks, and that it speaks to them. So they come up and say, and this little girl said, she said, be happy just as I am happy with you. That's not from her. Amen. Be happy just as I am happy with you. You need to hear that. Three weeks ago, there's a little boy that came up to me, and I was like, what do you want to pray about? And he barely got the words of my parents out of his mouth before he wept on my shoulder for five minutes. This is how they need you. My girls will come a time when they're not going to tell mom and dad something, but they'll tell you something. And if you're over here sitting on the sideline, if you're, not, if you're not participating in the victory of our next generation, we're gonna lose them. And then we're gonna wonder. The Old Testament built tons and tons of, of altars when God moved, and we share it on Facebook and forget about it. The next generation needs to hear about your altars that are being built, the victories that you've walked through, the battles that you face. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, they need you. And I, and I hear the three ways we're going to respond. One is this. If you're, if you're a visitor, if you're stopping by, man, I hope you, you feel what I felt when I feel God open the door for here. This is home. Welcome home. There's a family here. If you're here, number one, and, and you haven't humbly submitted your life to God, you haven't said, this is that moment that I'm just going to turn everything over, kind of like I did on April, 7th, uh, April 16th, 1990, uh, or April 17th, 1996. If you, haven't, if you haven't done that, if you haven't taken that step and want to say, hey, this is, I'm handing it over to God, that's, that's a way to respond today. We want you to respond to that. This will be a, a spectacular day. This is your day, and our altar team, after I pray, will come right up front, and we're going to pray with you. Two, we need you to respond this way. On our website, faithishere.org, I told you, we have, we have, the, um, we have the applications on there. And, uh, and this will, after I pray, this will be the opportunity that you can pull your phones out and uh, not get distracted by Facebook or anything else and pull the application up. I want, I want my phone's battery to die before I get home because so many emails came through. And we can do it. We can do it. There's a place for you here 
There's a place at each and every one of our campuses to win the next generation. I declared it earlier and I'll declare it again. Faith assembly will no longer stand on the sidelines. We will no longer wonder where everybody is. We will no longer have open gaps and volunteers. It's something we've battled with and we're battling with, but we will not battle with in the future. Do you understand what I'm saying? We will be full. There will be people waiting in line to serve our next generation. And they will step up and they will serve our first graders and our second graders. They'll go through all the youth ministry. And they'll be that text message that they'll get when they're in college. You see, our youth and our young adults need somebody to reach out to. But you haven't given them your cell phone number. You haven't reached out and said, I'm here to talk at any time. And so they're at home wondering, who's with me? And I'm all alone. And nobody understands. But you understand. You've been there. So one, we're going to turn our lives over to God if we haven't done so. Two, we're going to fill this application out today online right here in the seats, not moving until we do. The doors are locked, barricaded. <laughs> Y'all laugh. Go ahead and try. Um, no, I'm just Filling it out right now. If you need a paper application, the two booths outside the connection area, the connect area and the resource area have paper applications that you can fill out. And then three is this. I do not want to overlook the fact that it's true that 2018 for some of us, for me, for you, was probably one of the harder years we've ever had to deal with. There were situations that happened in our life. There's bitterness that has grown. There's, there's hurt that has happened. We're so happy that 2019 is coming up that we, we don't even want to think about 2018 anymore, that, that we're just carrying a weight, that we're ready for a fresh start and a new beginning. And I, and I understand. There's been transitions and loss of, of special people that we've had to deal with for one reason or the other. I get it. So as our altar team comes up and they want to pray with you, this is your opportunity to just come lay it on them. Just say, hey, this was happening, this was happening. They want to communicate with you about what's happening. They want to be, they want to stand in the gap for you. This is where the rubber meets the road, okay? And uh, so this one, if you haven't received Jesus. Two, that application is online right now. And three, any prayer request of what's happening, what's happening, even a youth today when we opened up in prayer for children's ministry, he said, I just want to pray for 2019 and all the possibilities. You guys get that. You get the possibilities. Let me pray, and as soon as I'm praying, let's respond, and then I'll pray again to close in just a minute. Lord, thank you for this moment, this time, your presence, and your word. God, would you... Would you show up here today? Would you be with each and every one of us as we respond in our own unique fashion? We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.